Hello and welcome to Wellbeing. I'm Jack Hodgins. Today we are discussing the wellbeing of teachers during COVID. We are joined by teacher Michael Pegu from Oakley Grammar School in Melbourne. Oakley Grammar caters for kindergarten to year 12 students and has been operating since 1984. As a year coordinator, Michael experiences the topic of well-being on a daily basis with both staff and students, and is here to share his perspective. Hello, Michael, and welcome to the program. Hi, Jack. Thanks for having me. What is the importance of teachers in education in our society? Well, I guess in a sense, to not make this too long, I guess the importance of a teacher is they're there to ensure that the young people have someone that gives them an understanding of who they are and what they want to do and where they want to go. Um, my my way of looking at teaching is not just as the role of an educator, but as someone that can act as a bit of a mentor and a carer to my students and making sure that they do get the best possible experience within their schooling years. And I would say you'd have to have a lot of passion to be a teacher too. These days, more so than ever, I reckon, with the amount of work there is. Um, Absolutely. I think that as a teacher, if you're going into the job and you aren't passionate, it is very challenging. Um, you know, the hours are long, you're working on your weekends. Yeah, there are holidays and they're great, but I think you have to have a clear passion for what you do and not just for what you teach, but for why you're teaching children. I think that's the big thing. And, and you know, I teach secondary years. I can't do primary. I, I'm very much, um, you know, got to say good on the primary teachers and the early learning teachers for what they do. But, um, you know, either way, you have to ask yourself, you know, where, why are you going into the industry? What is your goal? What is your purpose? You know, what drives you? So, yeah, that's, that's I guess, the way that you have to be passionate and, and excited to be able to affect the lives of children in a positive way. And when did you first start get into teaching? I started off in 2018, um, and that was after my Master of Teaching. And I did my Master for two years with specialisations in history and legal studies, um, always wanting to kind of get into more of a role in which I could kind of have a larger impact than just in the classroom. Uh, don't get me wrong, I think that classroom impact is paramount and still first and foremost um, the most important part of my job. But, you know, jumping into coordinating and hopefully other leadership positions is always something that I've kind of been ambitious of and wanting to do more in that sense. But um started off then, and I started off as a substitute teacher actually for the first half of the year, and that gave me a great way of experiencing a range of different schools and what it, what the, I guess, um, culture was like there. And so once I got a position where I'm at currently, which is at Oakley Teaching, um, you know, I kind of fell in love with the culture. And I already kind of knew what it was like as I did my pre-service at the school as well. Um, my final pre-service round was at Oakley Grammar and the culture was phenomenal. You know, it's a real community vibe and it's a smaller school than I went to. I went to a school of um, 1,400 students. It's a lot, you know, about a third of that size, but it's still a very... Um, great environment to be a part of. And how did COVID change your, your industry? Um, COVID has had a range of changes to the industry. Um, and I hope some of them are not permanent. I, uh, some of them I don't mind if they continue on. But I guess the few biggest changes when it comes to the industry would be probably administration. There's a lot, there's a lot more admin now, a lot more emails to chase up, a lot more um, that you have to be constantly on top of in terms of, you know, documentation-wise, uh, you know. Uh, one thing that's had a massive change on is the focus on well-being. So where, obviously, schools have always had really a good focus on well-being or most schools should have a focus on well-being, it's kind of gone completely, um, you know, 
askew in that sense that now, you know, I'm having students that are messaging me each day telling me, you know, they're struggling with, with the workload or they need to take a day off. Or, you know, they'll miss periods because their, their sleep schedule's off. There's a bunch of things. So I'd say, you know, in terms of two of the biggest changes, it's administration and well-being, but also engagement. So classroom teaching. I think that's one of the big things that has changed too because you can't just lecture, in a sense, to a screen. It's a lot. I mean, you can, but it's hard to keep the kids engaged and it's hard to know how they react. A lot of the time I struggle to have my students turn cameras on and I know that's the case with many teachers. So how do you know that you can get your students engaged without seeing them face-to-face? And, you know, sometimes even just telling a story, it might not be, and a great story, as you do as a teacher sometimes, to pull your students in, might not be the thing that gets them pulled in anymore because they're just staring at a screen. So those are the three areas I'd say have changed. And what's the workload been like? You mentioned the emails there. How, how has that affected mental health of teachers? I think in terms of workload um, recently, when it comes to the mental health of teachers, I'm in a position where I have two wonderful teams in my year eight and nine um, cohorts, as well as you know working with the more executive and senior um, members of staff as well. You know, and being a middle manager, you get to see both sides, and there are pressures on both ends. But I think between all of us, something that has been the case is, you know, the long hour hours staring at a screen have been really taxing and um, there's a lot of fatigue involved with that from a mental standpoint but even from just a physical standpoint you know um, as a teacher I I love being in front of a class I love performing in a sense you know and 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 teaching in a way that I'm active in what I do and I, I'm up and you know moving about sitting behind a, a screen all day you know I'm if I start a day at 7.30, you know, and I'll be sitting at the screen until my classes are over, let's say, or my day's officially over at around 4 p.m., um, you know, I'm still staring at this screen till about 7 or 8. You know, I'm working that additional three or four hours a night, making sure that I'm chasing up students that were away that day, making sure that I'm marking things that were sent to me by students that day. Um, at my school, and I know this is the case at a few schools, um, you know, we are on, on screen each lesson. So it's not like we can just send work to our students and then it just we just sit there and just monitor emails as they go. We're on screen when our students are on screen. Um, and so it can lead to a lot of hours staring at a screen all day. And that's the case not just for staff but for students as well. So with admin being emails, being documents, being all this stuff, recreating lessons, for instance, you know, I've had to put a lot of things into PowerPoint or recreate lessons in a sense where I've changed up worksheets or I've made tasks a bit more student-centered um, and focused on making tasks that can you know, be done online and still somewhat I can keep account of where my students are at with it. That takes a long time. So you know, it's very much become a time-consuming thing and it means that you know, at least in lockdown, I guess the one benefit is, what else have I got to do? But, um, you know, it does lead to a bit of a change in terms of that work-life balance. Mm. So it is a bit difficult in some on some days, but I'm great. What's great is, I guess, in a way, you know, and what, what makes it okay is, again, the passion gets you through it, but it's also having a great team that surrounds you that kind of, you know, gives you that support and you give them that support in turn and push you to be your best self. You're listening to Wellbeing, we are discussing the well-being of teachers during COVID. My guest today is teacher Michael Peggy from Oakley Grammar School in Melbourne. How did your teaching style change with with, with going online? Because, I mean, Zoom's changed out the connection with students quite a bit. So in terms of the changes to my teaching style, one thing that I've done is I've made sure to utilise the chat a lot. Um, 
you know, we I'm pretty lucky. My students, um, and when I say lucky, I will also say credit to my students. They're very well behaved um, in many ways. And so they use the chat for the purpose that it's there for. And so it's my medium of communicating with them. I like to use polls a lot to gauge their thoughts on things or to see if they understand stuff. Um, I'll always be trying to utilize different forms of, um, you know, uh, video clips or or different formats to present information now, getting students to do a lot more inquiry and then they kind of have some time to present to the class what they've learned from um, from their research. So there's different ways that I've been, I guess, changing my teaching up. One thing as well in terms of assessing, um, you know, constantly having submission boxes for students at the end of lessons to just send what they've done. And it doesn't have to be that they do a lot, just so I can see and give them that feedback of the work that they've been doing that lesson to make sure they are on the right track since I can't physically see what they're doing anymore. Um, these are just some of the small changes I've made. Uh, but I think one of the biggest changes would be also in terms of my teaching, kind of making sure that I'm limiting the time I'm talking. I think that one thing that can happen is if I feel like I'm talking too much and I'm losing my students or if I'm just talking and trying to explain something and it's going a bit too long, I'll try and break that up by getting them to do their own work and by getting them to also share their own thoughts on things, um, making my slides as interactive as possible with small little challenging tasks at time or puzzles to get them to kind of re-into the lesson with their own thoughts. Um, so that that's the way that I say I would change it up. And as a teacher, what has your observation been of how the students are coping? Some are coping well. The students that usually have done the work independently in class and like to do a lot of work out of class, they've been still gunning it, smashing through work, doing fairly well. But this lockdown, this one in particular that we're currently going through, I've seen a bit of a shift even in them with their motivation being lower. For some students, I get, I, I, I'm seeing, you know, this, the best way to describe it would be that they're, they're, extreme, they're languishing. You know, there's no energy left to really see the positive. There's no push to, to try and make the most of the situation anymore. Um, what I'm seeing instead with these students is a lot of them are, and I have a, a few of my VCE confiding in me and saying, look, sir, I just don't see the point anymore. I don't see, I don't see an end goal, really. Everything that I'm looking forward to is just kind of, you know, non-existent anymore. And I think that's one of the things with some students is they can kind of get in their head. And once they get in their head, that short, they become a little bit more short-sighted and long-sighted. And these anxieties they're getting almost start to feed them in terms of, you know, feed into the whole, it's not going to get better or I'm getting worse and I can't deal with it. Um, it's really difficult for them. Mm. One thing that I think is important um, is to remember that everyone copes with lockdowns in different ways. And while some students might seem, might be coping um, or might not be coping, you know, for those that tell you, there's a lot of students that aren't telling you how they're going. And so the challenge for me, especially as a coordinator, is how do I, how do I address this? How do I try and gauge where my students are at? How do I create change within an online platform that can lead to students looking forward to not just school anymore, you know, not just, you know, being in a class, but look forward even to just learning, growing, you know, developing as an individual. How can I achieve that? And it's a, it's a real challenge. Um, it's really difficult, especially the 
lockdowns where, you know, we'll be going week on week and we don't know what's going to happen, at least with a longer lockdown, you kind of, okay, we know what the time frame is, we're settled in, you can kind of work with those. But when things are constantly ever-changing, it throws them off balance. Um, and fair enough, you know, it throws a lot of people off balance. It's not an easy time. How have some of the teachers been struggling? What kind of things have they been experiencing? Well, I think we as teachers, one thing that um, a lot of us have been struggling with in some ways is making sure to keep up with the workload. Um, One of the biggest struggles for a lot of teachers at the moment, I feel, is marking, you know, keeping up with marking and that on top of, you know, if we're staring at a screen all day, one of the things I hate doing at night, honestly, is staring at 20 or 30 different papers to mark on a screen. Um, You know, it's very draining. And I think there's still a lot of things that go on in schools that do add to the workload and a lot of pressures, you know, trying to make sure that we are there for our students, but, you know, who's there for the teachers? Who's Who's making sure that the teachers are all right? And, you know, one thing that we have to take into account is that, you know, we, a lot of teachers at the moment, you know, I'm very, I don't have anything apart from, you know, I don't have too many other responsibilities outside of my work, but there's a lot of teachers with other situations or families that they're having to look after children while they're working. Um, and that's incredibly challenging to do, um, you know, and I really do want to give, you know, to those teachers, like, you know, uh, a hand because they're phenomenal in what they're doing to be able to manage that. And, you know, to all teachers that are parents, it, that's what I'm saying. It's very difficult to juggle the amount of work there is at the moment with other responsibilities and other duties you might now have at home. Uh, but even without that, the marking does does get draining. There's a lot of, you know, if you're in a school which is undergoing change, for instance, um, you know, you're, there's a change in the structure in things being done or there's reform in curriculum, for instance, and that still needs to be done. That doesn't go away. Um, Juggling those priorities as well as the priorities of your remote learning, making sure your students are okay, constantly checking in on them, it can be quite challenging and frustrating. And one other thing which is really frustrating at the moment is, I guess, balancing how much work to give students and how to make sure your students are still mm. achieving in a way because mm. there's still that pressure. We still have reports to mark. We still have parent-teacher interviews coming up. And although lockdowns happened, in some ways it's being treated that, okay, we went through it last year, same deal this year. But that's not the case. The mentality amongst the students is very different and it's a different ball game as to how we teachers can address that this year. And when it comes to the welfare of students, with that being such a big push, it's almost like, well, if we take into consideration just welfare, you lose the academic side. But if you take into consideration just the academic side, you lose welfare. Finding that balancing act on a remote learning is incredibly challenging because you may think you've you've dialed your de- your lessons down. You may think that you've got less work, a lot less work than you usually have. And that's the case for me and a lot of my subjects at the moment. But I'll still get parent emails saying that their students are struggling and I'll still have students not coming to school during the, the day saying it's just too much work. And that's despite, you know, the, uh, some fairly radical changes being done in terms of managing um, and making sure that the workload is doable by students. So, yeah, it's not easy. It's really difficult. Um, and it's something that I think it, it's incredibly, it, it's shifting it's incredibly hard to interpret how your changes are going to impact students because you can't see them face-to-face. And 
again, the mentality of students is shifting with lockdowns, you know, where one lockdown may not be as bad or one lockdown they, they don't have as low spirits. Like I've said, this one's a bit different to the ones in the past, so it, it's difficult to manage. Do you think that the teaching cohort has gotten closer together to support each other's well-being? I, at my school, I'll say 100, I, 100%. I think that, you know, teachers are, are in, in the school I'm at have been great in terms of, you know, having email chains going around with things that we're sharing from our day and trying to raise each other's spirits, constantly checking in on each other. You know, the executive team at our school has been great in terms of, you know, sending emails to staff, checking in on them, making sure that they look out for their welfare, um, you know, telling even teachers, if you need a day, take a day, you know, look after your mental health. Um, you know, amongst teachers, one thing that we've got going at my school at the moment is, and this is for students as well, but the teachers have jumped on it a lot, actually, is we've created daily themes, myself and um, the middle school leadership team, um, you know, the year six and seven coordinator was great as well. And he, uh, you know, spearheaded this initiative was creating themes within each week and having on theme days different experiences being shared um, in posts either on our team pages, which is what we use, Microsoft Teams, or the staff are sharing them through emails. And so, you know, uh, one of my favorite days last week was, um, uh, what was it, Flashback Friday, and teachers were posting photos of times in the past that they, um, you know, would reflect on and, you know, we were all sharing memories that we'd enjoyed in the past. There was Thankful Thursday um, where we were all just expressing messages of gratitude, not only to each other, but, you know, in relation to our situation. So I think that in terms of staff solidarity, um, that's definitely increased in many ways. Um, and that's been one of the, I think, one of the things that I hope stays after COVID's mm. done. You're listening to Wellbeing, where we are discussing the well-being of teachers during COVID. My guest today is teacher Michael Peggue from Oakley Grammar School in Melbourne. Do you think this pandemic has given people overall a better sense of how hardworking and how passionate teachers are? From my experience currently, I would say yes, but I'm, again, fortunate I've had an overly positive experience in terms of where parents are at. I've had great conversations when calling home with parents. I haven't had any real issues and and that's credit to the community that we have at our school and and the parents as well as the staff. Um, You know, there's been great communication um, that's been established and clear expectations of where things are at. And when there are miscommunications or when there are concerns or um, questions raised, you know, it's not dealt with in a way where it's dismissive. It's given their parents are, you know, going to understand, willing to understand where we're coming from and we're willing to understand where they're coming from. And so we work to ensure that not only is there support to their students, but to themselves. Um, And they generally do the same in kind with us to support us when we need that support and their their children may not necessarily be engaged or may not be doing what's required. So in terms of that, I haven't had too many issues. Um, I've heard of some issues and I've heard of, uh, you know, Apparently, you know, parent-teacher interviews at certain schools lately, some parents, you know, not being okay with teachers um, and what they've been doing and kind of, I can understand when things are challenging and during such times when people don't know why um, their children or, you know, facilities don't know why students are doing so well, it's quick to kind of go and blame the teacher in a way or to say, you know, what can you do? When in reality, I think as much as we can and we try to do, there is only so much that a teacher can do. And I think that's something to be mindful of as well. Um, you know, it's important to remember that I think anyone that's teaching at, is in it to do their job 
um, to well, to do what they do for the best of, the, of their students. And so, you know, it's really important to be mindful, especially now that that's really hard. <laughs> mm. Um, mm. You know, and and it requires, I guess, a level of trust. You know, and when things do go wrong, it's it's trying to understand what's happened rather than to blame. Um, I think that's what's really important, and to work forward for a solution, because blame really just gets you nowhere. Um, mm, and we've true. seen that in terms of we've seen that in terms of not only teaching, but in terms of healthcare, in terms of um, law enforcement, in terms of politics. A, a blame game is not useful at this time. It's important that we look at just clarifying where we're all at, getting an understanding, and working forward together in a positive way. That will yield good results or or better outcomes than what blaming would. What could be done to make things better for all in in your profession at this time? I guess the thing that I would say, firstly, is, is that acknowledgement that we're we're human too, and humans make mistakes, especially during a time where there's significant change, like we're seeing now, um, time where there's an ambiguity as to where things will go, and there's challenges that come with that that are unforeseen. It's important to realise that mistakes are likely to happen. And that when those mistakes happen, the key thing moving forward is to look at how we can rectify that and ensure that we improve from it. So I think that's one thing is is to take into consideration that if there are mistakes that happen, not to jump the gun and, and to raise, um, you know, the the flag of, well, you know, this isn't good enough, but rather looking at, okay, this has happened. Let's look at what we can do to to improve on this process. Um, you know, that could be, I'll give a great example, for instance, when Zoom was first used, I'm fairly sure that rooms weren't being password protected or, you know, there were many issues that led to people, just anyone jumping into Zoom sessions. It caused a massive issue for the company and it meant that, you know, a lot of classes be interrupted by pretty much any student mm. from any school or anyone from anywhere that had the room key. Uh and so when things are going to this uncharted territory, stuff like that is bound to happen. Mm. So mm. I think a bit of patience is important because the systems right now, they're all new. So there's things that are going to be found out that we don't know about them. There's, you know, when it comes to well-being, schools are trying different things to address well-being. For instance, at, my, at the school that, you know, at Oakley Grammar, one thing we're doing, like what I've said, we've got these theme days going on. We've got... Um, We've changed our classroom timetable structure. So between each of the classes, we've cut 10 minutes out to allow for students to kind of get a quick break off screen, go into their next class after 10 minutes, uh, where usually at school we wouldn't have that opportunity. And we've got days where students, instead of doing sport, will get consolidated learning periods where they get can do their own quiet study. There's no more screen time during that time or students aren't going to be mandated to be in class at that time. So... Will that work? Are students actually improving or would it be better to have them just stay in class longer? Well, we don't know. That's, mm. But from what we are seeing, it is making an improvement. And so that's why we're continuing to do it. This whole um, endeavor that schools have of improving well-being, it can't be done without mistakes being made. So, and, Or at least without seeing how things work and trying to amend and change them from that. So I guess... One of the things that I think would make my job easier is to, I guess, lower, I don't want to say lower expectations because I think high expectations are important, Mm, but I would mm. say also if expectations aren't met, 
I think it's important to understand that that's okay and to look at how we can continue to improve things. And that's from parents looking at schools, but that's also from leadership looking at teachers and the role that they play as well and what they're trying to do. What would be the take-home from this interview you'd want people to remember the most? The takeaway from this interview would be that have some trust in your teachers. We really, we're going through this, and I don't like saying we're all in this together or we're all experiencing it the same. We're not, and it's different for everyone, and I can appreciate that. Have some trust in your teachers, though, and when things are tough with your child or with students in schools not meeting targets, don't be quick to blame them. Um, we're trying our best, and I think that teachers really, from what I've seen, the level of care has been phenomenal. The amount of emails I get, and again, it does add to my workload, don't get me wrong, but they're good emails. You know, The amount of emails I get from staff telling me about students they've checked in on and what they're trying to do for those students or from students letting me know how they're going and you know, asking me to let their teachers know, um, you know where they're at and then the plans we come up with to try and make sure that the workload is manageable for them. The, the plans being put in place to have fun activities for students, not just from an academic point of view, but from that well-being point of view, that come, that happens after hours during meetings, that focus on welfare, all of these hours that we as teachers are spending to make sure that our students are being improved rather than impacted negatively by these lockdowns. I think that's the thing I want parents and, and any listener really um, to be mindful of is that we are trying, or I say we, teachers, we are all trying our best to try to give students optimism during this time and to help them see that we'll get through this. Thank you for sharing your insight with us today, Michael. We appreciate you taking the time. No problem. Thank you for having me. My guest today was Michael Pegu, Year Coordinator and Teacher from Oakley Grammar School in Melbourne. Thank you for listening. I'm Jack Hodgins, and all of us at Wellbeing wish you well.